to hang out at the end and make sure that we have time to pray for each other in person and all those good things. It is so good to see you all and to be together. A um, couple of other little housekeeping things. So uh, we didn't have those volunteers to help pass the baskets and count today, so we're going to count uh, later on this week. And if you did bring uh, something that's in physical form to give to the church, uh, there's an offering box back there by the, uh, by the sound booth. And so uh, if you want to just drop a, whatever you were planning to give in that, then we'll take care of that later on this week. Um, but uh, we would normally pass baskets and then uh, make sure that at least two people are counting that uh, just for accountability and transparency in the finances and all those good things. Uh, I do want to talk about giving. If you aren't giving uh, regularly and you want to start giving, um, there's a little form we can have you fill out. So if you just let us know um, in the digital connection card, we will have some paper connection cards next week. That is another thing that uh, fell through the cracks. And so appreciate you guys being... Uh, patient with me and with uh, with each other and all of us as we experience the turbulence of uh, of making sure that we get back into the rhythm of in-person church. Um, but uh, if you fill out that form, then you can set up regular online giving. That is the most secure, uh, most streamlined way uh, to give, um, and it really cuts down on the work for volunteers, and it also cuts down on any security risks. Uh, it's just the most secure, best way to do it. So if you want to get that set up, um, we can get that going for you and make sure that um, you're able to support the church financially if that's something that you want to do. Of course, uh, if there were anybody here who was here for the first time, and I would usually say, uh, you know, uh, we don't want anybody to feel compulsion to give, right? That's, that's definitely not what we're about. Uh, we want people to, to uh, give out of joy and give it out of, uh, out of uh, a spirit of generosity, and so there's no pressure for people to give. Um, but if you share contact information with us, that's a gift to us because it lets us know that you want to be in real relationship. It lets us know that you want to be in real contact uh, with people at the church. And so we encourage people to share those things. Um, today's sermon is called, uh, We Need Each Other. And I think we kind of just, Kara and I kind of just started titling uh, titles of sermons with We Need and then following that up. And uh, this morning as I was praying and preparing really felt like God just wanted to trace this idea of community and his vision of what the purpose of community is throughout the scriptures. Uh, and so uh, as we look at the scriptures, I would ask that you just pray with me so that we can hear God's word to us this morning. Father, you are the word. You are the word incarnate, the word made flesh, and you speak with authority through your scriptures. That as we see, when we trace the story of What's been recorded down in the Bible, so, so many times we are quite capable of missing it. And Satan can twist your words, and we can twist your words, and we can, we can come to the Bible and hear nothing and see nothing. But that's not what we want. Lord, we want to see you, and we want to hear you, and we want to know you, and we just come to you recognizing that we need you to make us able to hear your word this morning. And so God, I ask that I would be able to hear what you have to say to me, that we would all be able to hear what, we, what you have to say to us, and that we would leave this place changed this morning because of the word that you have spoken to us. Your words never pass away, and they are life, and we need to hear them, and we need to be fed by them. 
and we need to be sustained by you this morning. So we ask for those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, the thing about people is uh, it's not good for people to be alone. And I think that many of us would probably not fight against that. Uh, But if we look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, it says this. It says, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And that word helper, that is a, uh, that Hebrew word helper, that, that occurs several times throughout the Bible. That, that word that refers to helper is uh, spelled ayin zayin resh. Uh, it's a little three-letter. Most, most Hebrew words are, have kind of like a three-letter root. And that word uh, is often, often uh, transliterated as ezer or ezer, uh, maybe ozer or it can be a verb or a noun. Hebrew is kind of weird that way. Um, but it, it appears over and over again in the Bible, and most often it refers to God. That word, that word easier, that word helper, it actually refers to God Almighty himself. Like in Psalm 54, verse 4, it says, uh, Surely God is my help. And that word that gets translated help, that is the same word that God uses to describe Eve uh, in in that previous verse in in Genesis. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Surely God is my help. If you've ever heard the, or sung the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, there's a really weird verse where it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. That word Ebenezer is, uh, it's a biblical word. Again, Ebenezer means stone of help. And so that Ezer, that root Ezer, that same word that gets translated help, uh, to describe the Lord being Israel's help and Eve being Adam's help um, is, is in that word Ebenezer. And uh, that, that word doesn't mean slave. It doesn't mean subject. It doesn't mean a second-class citizen. That word means, uh, that, that, that word is often referred to God. Uh, it kind of almost carries a sense of salvation about it, right? Like, I was in trouble and you helped me. I was, I was hurting, and you helped me. And so when we see God saying, it's not good for man to be alone, and uh, I want to create a helper to, to, to be alongside him, you know, when, when we read the story, God takes the rib out of, out of Adam. He doesn't, take, he doesn't take his head off, doesn't take his ear, doesn't take a hair off the top of his head, doesn't take a toenail, but he takes a rib out of the side of the man, and he puts the woman beside the man. And we see this crescendo in creation where we have uh, things getting more and more complex, more and more beautiful. You know, we kind of have this binary uh, night-day thing. That's sort of like the first thing. And then it kind of gets more, more exquisite, more grand, more complex. And then, uh, and then finally God makes, makes a man, right? And then at the very end, to finish it off, to the capstone, the, the jewel in the crown of creation is God makes a woman. And so when we look at that scripture it's not saying that women just exist to serve men. That is not what the scripture is saying. That is, not the, that is not the vision of Genesis. That's not the vision of Christian community. That's not the vision of community that God intended for humanity. But in making Eve, he made it possible for there to be more than one kind of person. That there could be a diversity of people. That there could be distinction. That there could be difference that is essential and good and it is not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for humanity to be isolated, to be, uh, to be in a little bubble, to be all by itself. 
Humanity is created in God's image, male and female, in, in the image of God, uh, for community. And that's, what, that's what's happening in that verse in Genesis 2. Then we move on to Genesis 12, and we see that God chooses this guy, Abram, who he will na- later change his name to Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God chooses this kind of random guy who's terribly flawed, who's terribly sexist, who does terrible things, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's really a human being, right? He's not some... He's not some, uh, you know, myth. <laughs> He's like an actual person with flesh and blood and guts and good desires and sinful desires. And he calls this guy, Abram, out and his family, and he says, I'm going to make you into this nation. I'm going to make you into a people. And I'm going to make you into a people that's going to bless all the other kind of peoples. That's going to bless the whole earth. And through you, uh, I'm going to bless and redeem creation. I'm going to fix that broken relationship. I'm going to fix that curse that happened between Adam and Eve and between all human relationships when humanity broke trust with God. Because we see that as Adam and Eve both give in to their temptations, they both give in to this desire for power or this desire for for wisdom or this desire to do things their own way, to define good and evil in their own terms, that that breaks their relationship with each other. It breaks their ability to see each other and not feel ashamed, to be open and vulnerable and honest with each other. And Jesus is the solution to that. God has a plan from the beginning. As soon as that curse happens, he says, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. And he starts just a few chapters later in Genesis by calling Abraham out. And Abraham becomes a people. He becomes a group of people, right? And we hear that group of people sometimes referred to as Jacob or sometimes referred to as Israel, using these singular names to describe entire nations, to describe entire groups. And I don't know if we can underestimate the, the impact of the way that the ancient world viewed people as products of their community and as so connected to the people around them that uh, they, they didn't have this individualistic thing that we have. And so when you read Psalm 133 in verse 1, we have a, a celebration of this idea of unity, of, of togetherness, of, of connectedness. And it says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. This was always the design that God had in mind, that people in their plurality, in their, in their diversity, and in their unity would represent him and rule creation together as a people, as a group, as a family, as a community. And of course, we know that Israel really, really uh, messed that up several times, right? We know the story. If we've read the Bible, we know that Israel had all kinds of terrible kings. Uh, you know, even King David, who wrote this psalm, maybe uh, was, a, was a liar and a cheat and a philanderer and a murderer. Uh, and did all kinds of awful stuff, abused his power, all of it. Uh, same thing with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. <laughs> uh, 
and the rest. I mean, Judah, crying out loud, you read, you read, uh, you read Genesis and you think, man, what a sleazeball. These guys are just so gross. They're not good people. But there's a message of hope in there in that God can still work through and, and bless people who aren't good. He can make bad people good. He can make sleazeballs righteous, not through their own activity, because that would be hopeless, but through what he does. And so God sends prophets to talk to the people. He sends prophets to deliver messages of judgment, to, to call people to be better, to challenge uh, the systems and the, the, all the ways that uh, people get things twisted and build these societies that hurt people, that elevate some and, and take some down a notch and use people for their time and use people for their resources. Even though God had designed and, and, and hoped that this family would be different, uh, a lot of, in a lot of ways, they're just like everybody else. They completely lose their distinctiveness. They are just like all the other nations around them uh, who worship false gods and who go after sex and who go after money and who go after power. But God gives a message of hope through Isaiah to the people in a dark period when they're about to when they're about to get taken over by one of these other pagan nations, by one of these other nations that doesn't know the Lord, he says this, he says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. I think I know somebody named after this verse. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will lie, live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. And in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. And so we see there's all kinds of rich double meanings and all kinds of things going on in this passage, but we see this idea that God created a people who are essentially refugees in this earth, in this earth and in this world. He created a people who are essentially aliens in any nation they exist in. He called and created a people who are so different from 
the, the power structures of this present evil age that wherever they are, they find themselves a little bit on the outside, a little bit marginalized, a little bit not cool, a little bit uh, suspicious, a little bit different than the way the world works. And yet we see this character, we see this person who's prophesied who is going to bring peace on earth. He's going to change the way everything works. And of course we know who that is. We know that Isaiah is talking about Jesus. And even as we read this passage, we can see how Jesus did some of this, and we're still waiting for some of it to happen. Like we, I, I would not let my kids go and play in the snake pile uh, at our house. We, we actually have like a little old stump at our house that is just like full of little garden snakes. And garden snakes aren't poisonous, you know. I, I mostly kind of like them. They're good. They kind of help keep the soil aerated, and they you know, take care of bugs and stuff. I, gardener snakes are great, but, but I don't want my kids going and rolling around in there, right? Like, I don't want them to come out with lots of little snake bites all over their skin, and like, that would be uncomfortable and creepy and weird, and no, like, that, clearly we're not there yet, right? Clearly we're not to the place where everything that has been prophesied by Isaiah has, has completely taken place, but we can see how Jesus brings peace among these different nations, among, among these different families and feuds and, and tribes and all these different groups of people who have all kinds of history, who have all kinds of baggage, who have all kinds of reasons for wanting vengeance against the, each other, Jesus brings those people together in his life and ministry. And he makes it possible for people to come together into a new community, into a community that is not defined by our race or our ethnicity or our language. It's not really defined by our gender or our likes or our dislikes or our personality number or our personality letters, but by love of him and being united in him. And Jesus founds this diverse community. It's diverse within the little Jewish group that he's got, and then it goes worldwide. And this is what he says about that community in John chapter 13. He said, um, uh, somebody steps out of the room, and when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. Now that that person who stepped out of the room, that's the person who's going to betray him. He knows what's about to happen. Jesus is kind of talking about, uh, he's about to die, right? He's about to get betrayed by his close friend, by this person who is supposed to be his, uh, his protege, and, and who had done healings with him, who had, uh, who had, who had enjoyed a high level of trust with Jesus, who, who sat and ate at the table and drank, and like they were buds, right? And then that person goes off to betray him, and Jesus says this, he says, I'm about to be glorified, and if God is glorified in him, then God will uh, sorry, if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's a pretty big if, right? 
It's not, it's not are we going to have a real slick live stream? It's not, do we have the coolest looking building? It's not, it's not uh, am I super wise and persuasive and Mr. Bible answer guy? And it's not, is the song amazingly written and really beautifully played and beautifully sung? And are the people good looking? And, you know, is there resources? It's not any of that. It's, it's do we love each other? Do we love each other? That's, that's the way that the world will know that we're his disciples and that we are really representing him to the world as if we love each other. And if I know anything about community and if I've felt anything as I've longed for these days when we can regather together to come, it's that, uh, you know, you can't, you can't love each other by yourself. That is not a solo activity. It requires another. It requires another person. You have to you have to look outside of yourself. You have to be with people in order to love them. You can't, you can't love somebody if they're not there, if they don't exist. You can't love an imaginary person. That imaginary person is a, a figment of your imagination. They're not real. You have to love somebody else who's actually there, who actually has problems, who actually gets on your nerves sometimes, who might betray you, who... Uh, is going to at least step on your toes. And you're going to do the same to them. You're going to do the same to them. That, that is what it is to live in community. That is what it is to live in relationship. You're going to let people down and you're going to hurt them. <laughs> but love commands that we stick with it. The name of the game with friendship is longevity. That's the only way it works. That's the only way a community can last. And, you know, the thing, about, the thing about church is I thought about someday preaching a, a sermon about how to leave a church or how to leave a church well. Uh, maybe leaving a church well is actually, is actually kind of tricky, but to, but to leave a church, it's the easiest thing in the world. All, all you do is you stop showing up. That's all it takes. That's all it takes is just, just don't be there. Just don't be present. Just don't, just don't ask for prayer. Just don't, don't be in the room. Don't. Don't be there. That's all it takes to break a relationship. And I know that for me, I, I know that I'm often tempted by this amazing tool that helps me connect with so many people who aren't actually in the room, that sometimes I'm in the room with my own family or my own friends, and I'm, I'm in the room, but I'm not there because uh, I'm not showing up for them because I'm showing up for this. And sometimes this is helpful, but sometimes it's really not, too, right? And so, like, learning how to, how to be there, how to show up for each other, how to be actually present and in community when we're gathered together, that is, that is a big deal, and that's really, really important. The other thing that we've got to understand is that those other people, uh, they, they have something that we need, right? And it might just be the thing that drives us crazy about it, right? might be the thing that bugs us the most. I don't know if we've got 1 Corinthians 12. Did it fail to load? Okay, good, it's coming up. So just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slave or free, in Galatians it would say male or female, right? And we are all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
And uh, I'm about to flash something super disturbing up on the screen. You know, I don't know if you've ever uh, really thought about this myth of the tooth fairy. Don't, don't do it just yet. But, like, uh, that's a creepy idea, right? That there's some kind of mystical creature that sneaks into your bedroom when you're a little child and takes your teeth. Like, what, are they, what is that person doing with those things, right? What is that person doing with those things? But if we had, if we had a body that was just one part, uh, imagine if that body was just teeth, and okay, this will give you nightmares, but I mean, like, that's a creepy idea, right? Can you imagine if your body was all one thing? You're like, oh, please never show that to me again. Why did you? Church is supposed to be a safe place. Don't, don't traumatize me. Ah! I have a friend who's, please get that away. I can't even look at it anymore. That's, go on to the next slide. Uh, you know, the, the people who... I have some friends that, like, they're really into creepy stuff, and, like, all they share online is just, like, pictures of creepy stuff, and that one popped up. I guess there's some uh, serial show that's kind of like a horror TV show that did an episode on the Tooth Fairy, and that was their... But it's, it's, it's gross, right? It's not, just, it's not just, like, lame. It's like, ugh. I don't know. Have you ever experienced that in a community where everybody's, like, exactly the same? Like, there's just something off about it. Right? There's something off-putting, actually. It's, it's like not attractive when a community doesn't have diversity, when it doesn't have people with difference, people with, uh, with, with, uh, with different gifts, with different ideas, with different desires, with different, um, with different strengths, with different weaknesses. Like, God designed a body that has diversity within it. If we were all just a tooth, that would be... That'd be not just not just lame, but kind of disturbing. And so we've got to remember. Uh, if you go ahead and hit that next verse. The eye can't say to the hand, "I don't need you," and the head can't say to the feet, "I don't need you." On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that uh, we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And it's just important as we continue to go into this, into this next season, I know there are going to be some bumps, and we're having, we're having a little turbulence today, right? Like, we just we didn't quite get the volunteers. And, and here's the thing is, this goes both ways at all levels, side to side, and all throughout, right? Like, I can't say, uh, well, I, you know, just like in terms of, like, the dynamics of our, our small little church, like, I can't, I, I can't do this without y'all, right? I can't do this without y'all. And, you know, I think, I think y'all actually, I, I, think, I think you guys need me to lead, too, right? Like, I think that's part of it. And I, I can't do this without Kara. Like, I can't, I'm, it's going to be hard to, to do anything without her around. It's going to be difficult. Uh, we are a team, and we've got we've to work together. We've got to make things happen, and it's going to be tough and difficult to, to do things without each other. We need each other as a community. We need to show up for each other and we need to be there. 
And I know, I know that I bug you all sometimes. I know that, <laughs> that sometimes I can be a bit much. And I can kind of be a little bit annoying. I can be a bit heavy-handed and a little too strong <laughs> and uh, a bit, bit of a blunt force instrument. I know, that, I know that's true. It's just I lack tact. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, know that, I know that I bug you all sometimes. I know that's true. If I'm honest, sometimes you all bug me a little bit too, right? <laughs> but we got a good thing going here. And God is in our midst, and this is a beautiful community that I believe God wants to grow. And I believe that God wants to include others in. And the Lord has worked on my soul through my experience of being part of this community. He has changed me through you all, through the ways that you pray, through the ways that you serve, through the challenges that we work through when we step on each other's toes and we apologize and we work through that stuff. That's what it is to live in a family. That's what it is to live in a community. That's what it is to do church. And as we go into this next season, it, I, I've been saying, I'm trying to give us the, the preparation. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> and we're experiencing some of those bumps even today. And uh, some of those bumps are my fault. Uh, I'll be honest. Like I, I know that some of those gaps in the volunteer schedule, some of that is I have made it convoluted and difficult to understand how to sign up and where to sign up. And, I'm, I, and well, and then I didn't anticipate that this is going to be a little more complicated than I thought it was. And so I'm asking people to shift schedules around. And, and so there's ambiguity and there's, it's just bad execution and bad leadership on my part. And I'm sorry. I, like, I, I'm sorry. I didn't do that well. But then some of it's on all of us, right? And needing to make commitments to each other and keep those commitments and being willing to go out there and make those commitments and to be flexible and say, well, you know, we didn't do it that way before. Well, well, well it's kind of a different thing now. And like, eh. So I just want to say, please, I'll keep forgiving you all. And can you all keep forgiving me? And can we all keep forgiving each other? Can we just in this next season, as things come up, can we just say, look, we're going we're gonna to keep loving each other. We're going to work through this. And we're not going to break relationship over something silly. We're not going to freak out, and we're not going to say, that's it, I'm done. Can we be in this together and love each other through the tumbles and discern as a community together what God is calling us into in this next season? Can we do that? I hope we can. I believe we can. I believe we will. If I've, if I've seen anything uh, in this community over the years that I've been a part of it, I've seen that over and over and over again. And it's really good, and it's really rare, and it's really healthy, and it's really wonderful, and it's a blessing. And it's fabulous, and I don't take it lightly at all. And I just want you to know that I do love you. I love uh, the opportunity to, to be a leader in this church and to, and to do this along with you all. And you all bless me so much. Um, I hope that you feel that appreciation. I want to kind of just end in a positive vision of where we're headed in the future and just kind of call this out. And so in Revelation chapter 7, it says this, And after this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from every tribe, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
And all the angels were standing around the throne, and all around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders asked me, these, these in the white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes when the the purpose of God's creation is community. It's community-centered around him. And this is a beautiful representation of that coming reality that has been planted strategically by the Lord here for purposes that he knows for this city. It is bigger than us. We are part of this movement called Christianity that is eternal. We are part of the work of God in human history for this time and for this place. And... I just think it's important that we meditate on the importance of having each other and being a community, especially in this time as we round the corner into this next season. And so for the first time, and I think something like 63 weeks or whatever it's been, I'm going to say, would you stand?